Hello, Internet. This is Chase Wassenaar, and welcome to Steam Cleaners, presented by the Rough Drafts Podcast Network. Each week, my lovely co-host and I play some games, games that we haven't played before on this podcast, and we talk about them here for your lovely ears to listen to. Uh, and I am, am joined, as always, by Walter C. Svechuk. Walter, how are you doing, man? I am doing pretty good. I am, uh, you know, I the the we just did the the killer movie uh, Final Cut podcast. If you haven't listened to it, please go back and listen to it. If you like the movie stuff, uh, if not, uh, I still think you should go listen to it. It was a really good episode. I think I think it was a very very good episode and really kind of encapsulates what Final Cut is about. Um, I mentioned at the beginning of that my voice is a little rough because I'm still recovering from going to the Bills versus the Jets. Um, but now, like, my, my vocal cords are warmed up a little bit. So I feel like my voice is a little bit stronger on this one. I feel like I've properly warmed up and um, I'm, ready to, I'm ready to give Steam Cleaners my, uh, my best, uh, best vocal talents. Yes. Well, I'm, uh, I'm glad to have you here and I'm glad you got to go see a win, you know? I, I think... Uh, the Bills have had some some up and down moments over the season, and I have to imagine it's a lot more fun to watch uh, you stomp a division rival the way you did than some of the games you've been watching recently. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, we're recording this the day before Thanksgiving, so obviously we haven't seen uh, the results of the Bills versus the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm going to go ahead and chalk that up to we beat them 110 to 6. Um, just because <laughs> hashtag bills by a billion. Um, it's man, it's been a fucking rough season. And I, you know, after the loss to the Broncos in heartbreaking fashion on Monday night football, it was, you know, I think a lot of people made jokes, but I really think this fan base, um, was on suicide watch. Uh, and I, I don't want to joke about that, but truly the, the fan base was depressed um, in a way that I, I don't think I've ever seen the fan base depressed. It, it's what I assume the fan base looked like after the Music City Miracle or after any of the four Super Bowls that we lost. Um, but I guess like being in the internet age and everything's on Twitter and Reddit and all these things, you know, fans can come together and can express their disappointment, can express their, their frustration, their depression. Uh, I know I posted in the Rough Drafts Discord channel at one point that it was a, a screenshot of a, a comment from uh, the Bills, Buffalo Bills subreddit. It was like, it's the hope that kills you, um, mm -hmm. which I feel like that's from some movie or TV show or something. Like, I don't think that was an original line, but like, yeah, the hope fucking kills because we as a city are so fucking desperate for any kind of win. And I know like the Buffalo Bandits, which is our, our indoor lacrosse team, they won a championship. And like, that's cool. Um, but as we're recording, like an explosion happened on the rainbow bridge today <laughs> that the FBI is saying it's not, it wasn't a terrorist attack. It looks like it was just a car accident, but like, that's the kind of like last two years that Buffalo has had has just been like fucking misery and and bullshit and as we were recording we're supposed to get like our first big snowstorm of the year either on black friday or like next week and they're like it's not going to be like a one to two inch dusting it's probably going to be like six to twelve inches so uh winter is coming and it feels like sometimes it's never left western new york but in particular the the city of buffalo it, it's been a rough couple of years out this way yeah there's uh certainly a, a lot going on out there i 
you know, obviously it's it's a tragedy regardless, though certainly better that it's not uh, the kind of terrorist attack that was originally reported. Uh, and certainly, um, you know, as someone who likes, uh, you know, to bring it back to football, likes your team and uh, has always thought that uh, Josh Allen is a fun guy to watch, um, I'm glad to see things hopefully turning around for y'all a little bit on that front as well, because uh, your city could use some more fun for sure. Uh, and my city certainly not getting any. Uh, Atlanta, we're terrible. Um, somehow, uh, before uh, Turkey Day, we are playing to be first place in our division. If we were to beat the Saints, we'd both be five and six and we'd hold the tiebreaker because the NFC South is trash. And if the Bills were in our division, you would run away with it and it wouldn't be even close. Um, but the football gods are not fair uh, and they do not treat the NFC and AFC equally. So here we are, my four and six Falcons going back to Desmond Ritter, still in the playoff hunt. What what more could you ask for Wait, really, Walter? I I could ask for for Arthur Smith to actually use Bijan Robinson because on my money league fantasy team he's one of my running backs and like I could really use him to actually perform the way we expected him to as a first round pick. Uh, if not Arthur Smith, I know a bridge I can throw you off of. Yeah, there's a reason Tom Grossi does incredible uh, videos on the NFL and is absolutely worth your time if you enjoy football. Uh, even half as much as, as Walter and I do. And there's a reason all of his Falcons re reactions have been. So when are we firing Arthur Smith again? Because, uh, oh boy, there is some coaching malpractice with some of our uh, offensive talents that we've drafted in the last three years. You and, and the Chargers. He, he's meant to be an offensive-minded coach. That's You know what? I'm not going down this <laughs> rabbit hole, Walter, because the good news here is we don't have to because we have games that we've played, games to talk about. And I, I think you have one here that uh, you have hinted at before um, and have finally come back to. So tell the lovely people at home what you've been playing. Yeah, I finally played Resident Evil. No, uh, <laughs> I, I listen. So here's the thing, right? I had a game and I mentioned a game to Chase that I was playing and uh, I, I didn't realize how long that game was going to take. I severely uh, misunderstood exactly how long that game was going to take. So I was like, okay, I need to pick something else. What else can I pick? What can I look for? Oh, you know, I, I, I like came, went around. I had a couple other ideas uh, that I'm still probably going to do here in, in, you know, the next, next couple of episodes. Uh, but it got down to the wire and I, I was like, damn, I only have like one day. I have like maybe six to eight hours to play a game. What can I beat in six to eight hours? And I was kind of just scrolling through things I had installed and things I had under my like want to play category of my Steam library. And Firewatch was sitting there staring at me. And it was staring very intently. And it was going, Walter, it has been four years since I hurt you. <laughs> Do you maybe want to give it another shot? And I said, you know, you hurt me pretty bad. You, you, you corrupted my game file after I put two hours into it. That's, that's like indefensible. And then it went, yeah, but Walter, if you look at how long it takes to beat, it only takes like four hours to beat me. And I was like, so you ruined half of a game of progress. And I said, I know, I know, but I promise, I promise this time will be different. So I, I opened myself up, I got prepared to be hurt again, and I played and beat Firewatch in one mm -hmm. sitting. 
you know, on the one hand, I am happy for you that the game did not hurt you again as someone who had to start over uh, on Beneath Ariza, uh, which I talked about uh, a few episodes back. I know how much it hurts and I would not wish that on anybody. Uh, on the other hand, the comedic timing was right there. <laughs> it would have been objectively uh, funny had you run into a bug around the same point. But you know what? I'm glad that it worked out for you. And I'm glad that, you know, that you've gone back to Firewatch because as someone who's watched RT Games play through of it, I've always found it to be a very uh, interesting game and one that plays well to some of the things that you've talked about liking on the podcast before. So what was it beyond just this is a game I think I can complete in time for the episode uh, that you were like looking forward to getting back to? The thing that drew you in the first time and that uh, continue to draw you in once it booted you back up again. So here's the thing, Chase, since you said you've watched a playthrough of this game, I'm going to say right fucking now, I'm I'm going to go spoilers. I'm going to go pro, all spoilers, right? If Hell you've yeah. never played this game and you actually care about not being spoiled, I fast forward until like the 30 minute mark or something. And then if it Chase is talking- It came out seven years ago. I know, like, but I, you, listen, you, you I- don't, if, if you, a listener at home, are pretending that you care about spoilers for a game that you've had seven years to play, I want you to re-examine your life choices. Snape kills Dumbledore for God's sakes. <laughs> what? <laughs> I had no idea. No, That's no, crazy. But, but see, here's the thing. Like, I understand that a game in the sort of walking simulator mystery- genre like if you already know the the mystery right if you know the solution to it if you know the answer to it it's really hard for you to actually want to like get in to play the game one of the reasons i have never played fallout 4 uh to this day has been i i watched somebody else play it and before i realized they were at the ending at the you know a big reveal uh, i saw the big reveal and i was like oh shit well now what's the point of playing this game? Like, I already know what happens. And it's like, well, Walter, it's because it's a Fallout game and you love Fallout games and you should just play it. Um, but I still haven't played Fallout 4. I did just buy it when it was on sale for Fallout Day uh, a few weeks ago, and I probably will play it at some point. But, like, I didn't play it because I knew what the, the, the mystery was. So this is your warning. If you do care about a game that came out in 2016 and not wanting to be spoiled... Fast forward to like the 30 minute mark and hopefully I'm done talking about it and I'm not spoiling it in that exact second. Uh, otherwise, I'm going to spoil the shit out of this game because the the thing that drew me into this, and I'm even thinking back, back in 2017 when I initially played it, is I was very much in that beginner's guide, Stanley Parable. I need something to play other than League of Legends, right? I was at a point where all I was doing was playing League of Legends and what I needed were these kind of like short little games that it was like, man, you know what? I just lost five games of ranked. I really don't want to fucking play League. What else can I do? Because the computer I had at the time was not a, uh, it was not a graphics powerhouse. Uh, let's just say the graphics card I had at the time, I could play League of Legends at 30 FPS, which considering how I started playing League of Legends back in 2010 was on a Walmart laptop where I got 6 FPS. Good lord, it's it's impressive I've still managed to play that game for 13 years. But this was something, and, and Stanley Parabola and Beginner's Guide, those were games I could play and understand. I didn't need to worry about graphic intensity. I could just play a story. And I am someone that is very much, I don't play games on high difficulty. 
I play them for the story. I will turn down the difficulty as low as possible if it is getting in the way of me getting through the story. And that's what I got, you know, what you get with Firewatch. You are getting a very gameplay light game uh, that is essentially a walking simulator and is essentially walking through what it could be a visual novel, right? They could make this a visual novel instead of making this a walking simulator. And I think the story would come through uh, almost as well. Um, so yeah, that's, that's like what initially drew me into Firewatch. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's very fair. And I, I do think, you know, when I've contemplated playing this game for myself, I, I think the visual style and, uh, has certainly always drawn me in. Right. Uh, it seems to have that kind of, uh, an environment that is fun to explore. Uh, and that, uh, you know, kind of urges you on to keep delving deeper into it. Um, so I can totally see, uh, you know, why this game is it certainly as, as a change of pace from what you were playing and as something that your uh, computer would be kind to. I, I think all those factors line up very nicely. What was your experience going through the story here? And since we're, we've already agreed spoilers are, are on the table. Um, how did your kind of opinion of the game change over time as you delved more deeply into it? I think that it is visually, uh, you, you brought that up, visually it is a, a beautiful game. Even for something that was made in 2016, you know, less intensive graphics, I think we're still, you know, at like the the advent of like the 980 or something, right? We're, we're not super, super maxed out 4K. It's still a beautiful game, right? It is a bit... Um, a bit polygonal or angled like you can tell like this is not a perfectly smooth some you know a thousand people have spent six thousand man hours cleaning up every nook and crevice um but there is something that is very kind of endearing to looking out from your fire tower to a mountain and knowing that that's not actually an object on there it's just a drawn in background but it still looks incredible with the way they do the lighting and the way that it is um it is painted uh, to sort of emulate what a horizon would look like, what the night sky would look like. Um, as for the like the game itself, like it is, it reminded me a lot of why how I played um, Call of the Hunter, where instead of playing it as a hunting game, I played it as a let me go hike around in the woods game, um, mm -hmm. because I do enjoy hiking. Like I enjoy it. I I don't do it nearly enough. I I wish I had more free time to do it. I wish I was a bit in better shape so I could handle some things that were a bit more intensive. Um, you know, I, I've thought about how it might be really fun to do like the fire towers in the Adirondacks or, or to hike the, you know, hike the high peaks of the Adirondacks or things like that. But like at the end of the day, I know right now my, you know, health, the most I could probably do is a five mile moderate hike. Um, when we hiked uh, uh, Battle Mountain in Georgia, I would say that was for, for what I'm used to a relatively moderate hike and i was definitely huffing and puffing by the time i got to the end of it although that also might have been because we didn't bring water with us because for some reason neither of us want to carry a backpack with water bottles in it um but that's you know that's neither here nor there so this helped kind of scratch that itch because you know we are in november and in upstate new york november is very 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 hit or miss with weather um especially when you only have like one day a week where i'm not working and my partner's not working where we could actually go outside if that one sunday is rainy and cold guess what we're not doing we're not going outside 
And this mm-hmm. sort of helped kind of scratch that itch because for the past couple of weeks, we've either been busy, we've been doing other things. We haven't really had a chance to try and like go outside and try to take advantage of whether it's a nice day or not. Um, and that's just nice. It's nice to wander around the woods. And essentially, while this game does have a story and does have objectives and does try to direct you to go certain places, it is also entirely willing to just like let you kind of wander around the woods and find your own way, um, explore it, kind of find different paths. I definitely at one point had walked into an area that you go to later in the game and there's nothing there at that moment, but I just kind of walked into the area and I was like, oh wow, this looks pretty cool. And there's some like interaction things where you can talk uh, with Delilah, who is the other Firewatch, um, per, you know, Firewatch uh, watcher, your boss essentially, but you get to report stuff to them, and they will tell you a little bit about, you know, like oh yeah, that that birch um, birch grove exists because birch is pretty resistant to why you know to fire. They they tend to survive uh, when there are wildfires around, or you have a conversation about well, yeah, there's a bunch of firemen out here to try and stop this fire that's happening, but they're not actually going to put out that fire. They're just putting in a burn line to try and contain it, which, you know, unfortunately is how most of the wildfires, and and we're talking like the, the deep woods, right? Wildfires are dealt with in the United States and Canada is we don't pour a bunch of water on them. We kind of try to contain them to our best and allow nature to sort of take its course. Uh, because fire is actually very important to like the growth cycles of forests. It helps get rid of the dead foliage and the underbrush uh, and allows, you know, new life to spring up from that sort of ash enriched soil. Uh, it's different when it's a naturally occurring fire by something like, you know, a lightning strike uh, versus when it's some dumbass that threw their cigarette out their window. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm digressing into something else. But yeah, it's just... No, that's fair. Yeah, fuck just... the cigarette this <laughs> There's just something about this game that is very, very endearing and just very kind of like welcoming and being like, like, do you just want to walk around the woods for a while? Um, And I really appreciate that. I really kind of appreciate its straightforwardness and its willingness to be like, yeah, we know this is a walking simulator. So. Go walk. Enjoy your time. Yeah, I I mean, I think that's the uh, the quintessential like if you're going to be part of the genre, which I know people have some strong feelings about how much, you know, game versus not game, but the the freedom to be able to explore the place and get ahead to things that theoretically you weren't supposed to get to from a pure story perspective. I think that's honestly very cool. Um, and I, I'm glad that the game gives you that freedom. So you, you've talked a lot so far about everything around the narrative. Um, but the narrative is what got it awards, right? Best writing was something it got uh, nominated for in a bunch of different places. So I'm kind of curious, once you uh, had your fun kind of exploring the area, did you enjoy the core story that the game had to offer? I think that this story is very similar to Beginner's Guide, where if you catch this at the right time of your life, right? If you are in an instance that sort of parallels what this story is telling, and it doesn't have to be, you know, direct, right? I don't think very many of us at our age are dealing with a a partner, right? You know, a, a husband, a wife, a, a you know, a long-term partner in that way, uh, dealing with early Alzheimer's, with, with dementia. But I think we've all had some of those moments where you can feel a relationship slipping away, right? 
um, whether it is, you know, your, your fault, their fault, whether it's just as you get older, things change, life objectives change, goals, um, wants, desires, attraction, you know, any of these things. And that is how the story starts is that you are playing a, a man named Henry and uh, you, you lived in Boulder with your wife and there's some cute little kind of introduction scenes when you bump into each other at a bar for the very first time. What do you say? You Do you call her pretty or do you ask her to order you a burger or something like that? And then boom, you're dating. There's a moment where you choose, you know, do you get the adorable beagle as your dog or do you get kind of the intimidating uh german shepherd you know do you want to have kids do you not want to have kids like all these little things that kind of flesh out a little bit of the backstory which unfortunately i don't think that those decisions really matter super like long term like i don't think they change the story all that much other than some minor plot beats where the other firewatch uh captain delilah when she asks like oh how did you meet your wife you tell the version of the story that you picked. Oh, you know, when you bring up your dog, the dog is either named Bucket because it's the Beagle or it's named the other thing if it's the German Shepherd. And I'm sure if you mm -hmm. like broke down and you and this was, you know, a, an internet connected game where you could see all the different choices, I'm sure there might be a very interesting, you know, uh, psychological study, you know, if this was like a telltale game where you could see everybody's individual choices and you could kind of say, well, if you picked this choice and this choice, you're like this kind of you know, psychological profile or things like that. Um, but it is a game where Henry is running away from his problems. Um, and it is very clear throughout the entire story and the, the dialogue options you're choosing with Delilah that, you know, one of the options you can constantly say is like, well, why aren't you with your, you know, if you're asked like, why aren't you with your wife or why are you here? You know, one of the answers is like, I shouldn't be here. And like Henry, you can play that way where it is Henry realizes like he did the wrong thing, but it's still the thing he chose to do. So he has to has to sit with that decision. Um, and there is this it, it turns out to be a dream sequence, but where you are radioed on your phone and it turns out to be your wife. Right. Um, or you're radioed on your radio and it turns out to be your wife and you like have a conversation with your wife. And very clearly, like it's a dream sequence. It's really the only sequence that takes place like super late at night. And the next day, Delilah mentions like, oh, yeah, you were talking in, in your sleep into the radio and I really didn't want to disturb you. Um, which brings us to the, the relationship that sort of happens between you and Delilah. And it does become this very like flirtatious relationship right where it's going just beyond like co-workers or just beyond friends and there very clearly is like this chemistry that is building back and forth right she you know calls you a couple of times when she's gotten drunk because oh what else are you gonna do and it's it is it's this very like openly flirtatious thing uh, there's a point where you're watching this wildfire and you know uh, you can make the comment like oh i wish you were sitting here and again i think there's you know if you really delve down into the psychological analysis of all this i'm sure it'd be very fascinating for like a thesis paper um but the the plot of the story then takes a really sharp turn when it turns out that your your conversations have been recorded by someone that you find a clipboard at, at a point um, that has a transcript of one of these nighttime conversations between you and Delilah that is hinting at like this relationship. And all of a sudden, the two of you are freaking out because there are people listening into your radios, listening to your private thoughts that are trailing you, that are following you through the woods. 
And there is this sort of suspense that starts getting built because you both are becoming more and more paranoid about what the fuck is going on in here. And there is this fenced in area of the park that you don't have access to. There's a locked gate. Uh, at one point, Henry, um, you're trying to go to where that gate is and try and figure something out. And you are hit in the back of the head, right? And you're knocked out. And it is, you know, if you're not really like paying attention to it, I will say there are a couple of moments that could be you know, classified as jump scares, not because something like scary, you know, jumps out on you on the screen. Um, but just because something happens that you're not prepared for and you're, you're kind of in shock. Um, so you, you finally figure out a way to get into this fenced area. You see that someone has been monitoring you two this entire time and you can't really figure out how or why. And you find a like signal, um, like a device that reads signals. So you're, you're wandering around trying to find what that's leading to. And as this wildfire um, is happening and, and they've tried to contain it, but it's spreading too much and they're getting ready to evacuate you and Delilah because the fire is, um, fire is, you know, getting too close to you guys. You go out and you find a signal attached to this like backpack, right? Somebody puts a tracking collar on it and they set an alarm to it. And this is one of these like jump scare moments where you're not prepared for it. All of a sudden this alarm rings and it startles you, right? I won't say jump scare, mm -hmm. but startles you. And like this pushes you further into investigating and what happens. And there is a key that is attached to this backpack. And earlier, much earlier in the game, maybe, you know, the, the first main kind of sequence that happens, you go into a cave and there's a gate that's blocking part of this cave. And you're told that, oh yeah, it, it, it splunkers would go in there and it's too dangerous. So the park service locked it. So you get the key to this cave and you, and you go down into the cave and you explore it. And what you eventually find at the bottom of this cave is that you're not the only, only fire watcher that's ever been out there, right? You're not the only one. Um, you find some letters between two other uh, fire watchers back from like the 80s. This is set in uh, early 80s. This is set in like 1989, right? And they're conversations back and forth between each other. And it's friendly, but I do also think you could read into it as also maybe slightly flirtatious, um, if you really mm -hmm. kind of read between the lines between these two men, two fire watchers and like Delilah over the course of this has talked to you about some of like the other people, like you come across a burned cabin at one point that also was like a fire watching station. And she kind of just says, yeah, somebody lived there and like, doesn't really go into much depth. And there it is. It's just this burnt out cabin essentially that's on the edge of a cliff. And you're very curious, like, Oh, what the hell happened here? Right. Um, and then you learn about a, a husband and son, and son um, that the husband had been in the military and the son had been, uh, was being taken care of by his grandmother, but the grandmother passed away. So the, the father was honorably, you know, was discharged basically from the military to come back and take care of his kid. Um, but, you know, he wasn't a good dad, right? He wasn't, he wasn't even that good of a man as Delilah kind of describes to you and that she felt really bad for the kid. Um, and it turns out, that at the bottom of this cave um, is the kid's body and the kid is dead, right? And she thought they just left one day, right? She thought they just, they just left one day. They didn't want to work in the, the station anymore. They left the note and they just left. And that's kind of what she thought of it. Um, but, but it turns out 
he tried to, he had dropped his backpack at one point and it fell and it was hanging on a tree and he decided he was going to try and climb to, to get it. Um, and instead his, uh, the, the Pitron that he used, he used for climbing it, it, it falls out and he, he plummets down this cavern to his death. Um, and while you're in the cave, right, there's been all this suspense of what's going on and all of the, like, is somebody following you or whatever? There's this tension and I'm waiting to get scared. Right? I am waiting to get fucking jump scared in this because that's what I'm conditioned for. And instead you come across this body and your character immediately knows like, oh my God, it's, it's the kid, right? He's wearing, you know, a t-shirt or something that shows that it's him essentially. And it is this very emotional moment because then you have to tell Delilah and Delilah is distraught because she feels responsible for it because she never reported that there was a kid there. Earlier on, she talks about how at one point someone had brought up, they thought there was a kid in that t fire tower and she said, oh, no, 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 that's, no, you, you didn't see a kid. You saw, you know, the dad instead. And then in a, in a, in a super twist, in a super omega ending twist, which is, I, I think, what some people have some problems with. It turns out that the person that's been stalking you, essentially, it's been recording your conversations and all these things, uh, is the dad. That he never actually, like, left the park he just sort of became a hermit because he couldn't leave his son there and he didn't want to go back and face what happened to your son like you know are you a murderer and one of the things you sort of kind of have to decide as you're talking with delilah is did he actually murder him is this an instance of the father didn't want the responsibilities and murdered his son or is it it was a climbing accident and the kid you know wasn't a good climber and the dad says in a, in a tape recording that he gives you, you know, that you guys find, um, that you find the player. You never actually interact directly with Delilah in person. Um, but he goes, that kid never fucking put his Pitrons in enough. He never put him in deep enough. I always told him he had to do it deeper and deeper. And you can see there's, you can hear this real sense of guilt um, in his voice. And you sort of determine, you know, do you believe that, the father murdered his son or did the son die in an accident? You try to convey that to Delilah. Uh, and then it turns out that all of this, all of this has been the dad, even the research station and all that. He used an actual like research project and he just replaced some things. He replaced the paperwork that was there. He made it look like all these people were stalking you or whatever, because it seemed like you were getting too close to the truth. Uh, but in the end, he wanted you to find the truth. And he, that's why he gives you the key to the cave that's why he sort of funnels you in that direction um, so that you can find out the truth so that somebody can know what happened. And he, you know, says, don't try to, you know, don't try to follow me. Don't try to chase me. I'm going to go off even further into the woods. I'm going to go hide even further. Or maybe he kills himself. That's kind of left open for interpretation. And you come to the very end. You, you leave your tower. You head to where Delilah's tower is. But she's already left in a helicopter. The helicopter is going to come back for you. And you finally have this like final monologue, you know, final discussion with her over the radio again. And she's like, well, what are we going to do? And you guys say, well, you choose for me. I'll choose for you. And your options are, oh, you should, you should come with me to Boulder. Oh, you should go live with your sister in Santa Fe or, oh, you should just, just go wherever you want. And, you know, I, I picked the like, oh, you should come with me to Boulder, continue on kind of like the flirta flirtatious stuff. And she's like, 
no, you should really go see your wife instead. I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty, I, I was pretty sure that was what was going to happen. <laughs> but again, it is like, I'm sure if you took all of the responses to the dialogue and all the choices that people met, make over the course of this entire game and like ran a, some sort of psychological study, I'm sure it would say something very fascinating about how people react to situations or, um, you know, what people's thoughts are on things, right? If, is this... Is this like fling that you're having with this coworker? Is it appropriate when you abandoned your wife, which you didn't divorce, like you just abandoned her. She's living with her family in Australia and they're the ones that are dealing with the consequences of her dementia while you go off in the woods. Like, is that cheating? Is that right? Should you feel guilty about all that stuff? Um, should you feel, do you believe that the father killed his kid or do you believe that it was truly a climbing accident? You know, there's multiple instances that, even the kid himself says in some some like notes and letters you find like, hey, I'm not good at climbing. Like, I don't really like being here outdoors. He's, he's like a Dungeons and Dragons nerd, right? He like creates his own Dungeons and Dragons game, essentially. Um, so do you believe the father that he didn't kill him? Or do you believe kind of the initial shock that Delilah has if, oh my God, he killed his son? Again, I, I, I think there's something really fascinating in like how humanity or the player base at large would determine that. Um, but overall, like it's, it's a really, really fascinating story that has these couple of twists in it that, you know, one twist that's like, oh my God, this is getting like suspenseful. Is there some kind of horror element to this or just psychological thriller? And then the twist back is like, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. Cause I'm not sure how I really feel about it. I'm not sure if I'm, I'm positive or negative towards it. Yeah. I mean, it, it's. Certainly that's for a story that is so narratively driven. Those are the kinds of big questions you want it to be asking, right? Um, you want to feel like your belief system matters, that you're not being given an answer, but that you're being led to find your own answer because that's the difference between you know, uh, you know, on rails, grab you by the hand and take you down the story experience the game wants you to have and something that is a genuine, you know, experience that's meant to engage and draw questions and force you to make your own kind of decisions on what you value and what matters to you. And it sounds like from from everything you've described that you still don't quite know uh, how you come down on it. Um, you know, I, I, I can say, you know, just from hearing about it, that there are a couple instincts that I jump to, um, but I didn't play it and experience the the moment to moment of it. So I, I guess, um, yeah. Do you have any like final thoughts, I suppose, on on what this game left you with and what you're going to take with you moving forward? I think, again, it's it's a game that if you play it in the right circumstance, right? If you play it in a moment that you have something that attaches it to you, right? You have a similar experience. You have, like I said, a falling out with, with a partner, you know? Um, I think it'll grab you in a very sort of visceral sense, right? If you're dealing with the loss of, um, you know, a friend or a loved one, and for some reason you think it's your fault, you know, I think that's a situation where this will kind of grab you and be like, 
you know, what could you have done differently, right? Oh, I wish I would have said I love you one more time. Oh, I wish I would have said this. I wish the last thing they heard wasn't this, right? Or you just have a problem, right? You have a, a, a stressor that you just want to escape. I think you would find a lot in common with this game with Henry, um, you know, comparing yourself to them. And he, you know, he ultimately knows like at the end of the summer, he has to go somewhere and it's up to your interpretation. Does he go back home? Does he find another, does he go be a crab fisherman in Alaska so he can just stay away from home further? Like we, we don't know. Right. Um, I think if I had finished and played this game way back in 2017 when I initially played it, I think it would have brought me to a very visceral emotional reaction in a similar way to the beginner's guide did back, you know, same situation back when I played it way back then. Um, I think now I look at it way more clinically and way more, you know, uh, philosophically and theoretically of like, oh, I wonder what you know, building this trail of responses would lead to from an analytical standpoint, right? What do you think morally is, is correct? How do you judge, you know, these circumstances or other people? And I think part of that's just because, you know, given everything that's happened in the last few years, my life is in a really good place. You know, I, I, I'm not looking for an escape from anything, so to speak. Um, so I don't think the game... You know, I don't think the game attached itself onto my life in the way that like Beginner's Guide did the very first time I played it because I'm not in a situation that directly attaches myself to it. But I could see it there. I can see the the tendrils of it trying to grasp onto you and trying to embed its story into your own personal experiences and try to get you to question things and try to get you to question why am I running away from this thing? Why am I allowing myself to build these feelings with another person? Why am I the one that gets to decide whether this person's actions are good or were good or wrong, right? Um, I think it's an exceptionally well-written game. Um, I think the story is really engaging. And while, the, while, again, the twist back to it, oh, well, really, it was the dad that was out there in the woods scaring you, essentially, is like, Okay, I'm not sure. Again, I'm not sure how I feel about it. I I understand for the larger story why it's that way, um, but I'm just I'm not sure, right? It's it's definitely one of those things again where it's like, well, if I change it, I change the entire story, and um, it's it's like what I said about inscription, <laughs> and I'm stealing this from you. Oh my god, I can't believe we're getting to the same point. <laughs> uh, but it is. It's very much if I change this part of it, it changes the entire experience and it changes the entire story. And then it's not what the developer and, and the story writer wanted. And I think in this instance, I'm okay with being a little confused of how I feel about the ending because the rest of it is so impactful and so thought-provoking. Yeah, I, I think that's fascinating, right? I, I think that narratives should affect you differently based on where you're at in life, right? Like the best stories are stories that you revisit and you feel differently about based on where your life is and the circumstances that you're in. And you're able to take away things that are, you know, from a, a different perspective. Right. I, I, I think, you know, there are a lot of common examples about, you know, relating to, you know, the kids more in certain films when you're younger and then understanding the parent side of it more as you get older and the best narratives have a place for you to latch onto wherever you are and, whatever your experience is, because they're ultimately tapping into something very human, right? The human experience is 
you know, the kind of things that we all share that, that bind us and where we come down on these things and, and the specific parts of it we get attached to say a lot more about our individual personalities and experiences. But the fact that everyone can come away with something based on where they're at is a sign that they've really tapped into something very human. So uh, it sounds like uh, you would recommend this game. Is that a, a fair statement? Oh, a- absolutely. I, I absolutely recommend this game. Uh, I know that like the full price of it is $20. And for me to say, yeah, spend $20 on like a four hour long game. It's a little rough. This game is constantly on sale. Um, Like right now, the day we're recording it, it's $4, right? Um, Obviously that sale ends before this episode comes out, but catch it on a sale. I'm sure you can get it for like five bucks or less. Um, But even that, even still, like, I think it's probably worth the 20 bucks. I think it's that good of an experience. Um, and even with the spoiling that you have now listened to, and I am sorry, listeners, as you've had to continually fast forward to get past me spoiling this game, um, I still think it's worth playing because I am 100% confident I had different answers today um, than I did when I first played the game back in 2017. Uh, but Chase, with that being said, I already know the game that you played for this week. And I am very excited for your thoughts on this because this has been on my wish list since the moment it was announced. What, what can you tell me about your game? Yeah. So I'm going to just going to say real quick at the top, because there are two games that I've been playing and both of them, I think are absolutely worth your time and your money. And because they are from smaller indie studios, I want to make sure uh, that those of you who trust my game instincts who believe that uh your tastes match up well with mine uh and have enjoyed the kinds of games that i've enjoyed um if you've enjoyed any of the monster prom games or whatnot you should go play doomsday paradise i'm going to tell you why in two weeks and we're going to have the lovely Kristen pinolo join us in two weeks to talk about it but trust me go play it it's fantastic it's absolutely worth your time and your money and it would be great to, uh to give some support to a single person indie studio uh that is making the kind of game that i i think really helps evolve that genre but that's not the game we're talking about today welter because the other game that i think is equally important to talk about now because it comes from a small indie studio telling the kind of story that i want to make sure is funded and rewarded for taking some big swings and 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 making something that truly feels unique and special is thirsty suitors and and thirsty suitors is a fascinating game um i i i don't need to pitch you on this because as you said you've had it on your wish list for some time but for those of you at home who have no idea what we're talking about here's my pitch for you scott pilgrim versus the world but south asian and queer as hell plus tony hawk pro skater plus cooking mini game shenanigans those all sound like good things right we're 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 on board here it's it sounds like a lot of ingredients in the gumbo well it wouldn't be gumbo because again we're going very south asian so we've got um a whole bunch of traditional uh indian and south asian dishes but yes um there are a lot of ingredients here and some of them are managed a little bit better than others um but let me kind of start at the the beginning, right? The the Scott Pilgrim of it all is that your uh, character, 
um, here, who is, uh, oh God, um, Jala, excuse me. It took me a moment to remember our protagonist's name. Um, Jala uh, is a bit of a hot mess. Um, she, you know, left her town having run away with a girlfriend who ended up ditching her at one point um, and had to come back home. It, seemed, it, it has been a while since she, like, talked to her family, talked to her sister, uh, and has been back to this small town um, that she lives, that she grew up in, uh, and very much has its own kind of atmosphere to it, right? It, it's that, that typical small town feel in Timber Hills. You know, you've got a single road, you've got your store, you've got your workshop you've got a you know a bar right um and it's a you know it's one of those kind of pacific northwest towns that is kind of dying out for a lot of different reasons they they never got the industry that a lot of these other places have and you know it made sense to Jala to leave it all in the rear view mirror when she uh thought she was in love with this uh other woman but she left a lot of damage behind and this game is all about confronting that damage. Uh, you are battling your exes, not in physical combat necessarily, though if you watch the actual animations, it sure feels like a lot of physical combat, but very much in an emotional way. You are, you are trying to get to the heart of the mistakes that you've made, um, taking accountability for your own actions, and trying to build up something better with the people that you were most connected to. Um, you know, it starts with people that maybe you had like a fling with more than a full on, uh, deep relationship. Um, but Tyler, the, the woman that you were on and off again, um, uh, uh you know, throughout all of high school, uh, throughout Tyler, uh, coming out as a trans woman and, you know, just the, you know, the quintessential queer couple that the whole school rallied around, um, she's just kind of always looming in the background, right? She's around and she's having to engage with you because you're helping her uh, deal with this kind of, uh, you know, investigative uh, study of, of this kind of cult that is forming around the old skate park. Um, but she's not talking to you. She's not willing to engage with you. She's not ready to dig up the past that way. Um, so instead, one by one, you will be battling these exes of yours and trying to figure out what you want from them at this point in your life, whether there's something flirtatious there or whether you, you know, just want to make peace and, and come to an understanding after acknowledging, you know, the ways that your character fucked up because, oh boy, Jala done fucked up a whole bunch and the game is not subtle in the critiques there, um, including a, a very harsh inner voice that mirrors your sister that you haven't called nearly enough, um, that is incredibly critical of yourself in every way in which you try to engage with the world and, and kind of perfectly encapsulates that self-defeating, self, um, you know, uh, you know, self-harming attitude. Uh, that comes from, you know, basically putting yourself through a guilt trip over your mistakes over and over again. Uh, and, and so a game that 
forces you to acknowledge that, to push through that, and try to find peace in it, I think is really cathartic and interesting. So that was one of my biggest concerns uh, with this game. And I'm, I'm going to just outright say now, there's a 99% chance that this is my end of the year game that we both played and could talk about. Um, I don't, I don't know if there's anything else this year that, that I like immediately sticks out in my head, but I'm pretty sure this will end up being the game because I, I've had this on my wish list for a very long time because of that Scott Pilgrim comparison, right? And my, mm-hmm. my real big concern with this is, is this going to be a game that the first time I play it, I'm going to compare myself to the character in this like very good light and be like, well, yeah, Scott, because the first time I watched Scott Pilgrim, I'm like, hell yeah, I'm Scott Pilgrim. Like that dude's like, dude, I totally get this dude. And then watching it like a few years later, I'm like, holy shit, Scott Pilgrim and Ramona are actually terrible fucking human beings. <laughs> does Does this help me do i skip the first part of that or am i gonna have to play this game multiple times for me to be like oh yeah jala is actually like a horrible human being well i the game does not shy away from the exact sins that jala has committed right uh there are moments in which like uh she breaks up with tyler and dates a girl that was actively bullying tyler um there is you know uh she kisses uh this guy Irfan. Um, after she and Tyler break up, or, or while well, she and Tyler are still together, I should say. Um, and when it's revealed that uh, this happened, everyone teams up on Irfan and basically blames him for breaking up this queer power couple. And Jala just lets him take the hit, um, which he doesn't have the energy to rebuke because, by the way, uh, his parents are dying. So <sighs> it, it's like, it's not great. Like, it, it is... It is some tough stuff that the game is forcing you to face and own up to, which is why it has like a really interesting system um, where you basically get to decide whether you are a heartbreaker, someone who's like, look, it's not my fault that everyone thinks that I'm awesome. Um, Whether you are like someone who's like actively trying to get praise from people and, and get people to believe that you are good. Or whether you're this bohemian, laissez-faire, like, look, life happens and, you know, you can't get hung up on the past, man, kind of attitude. Um, and, and all of them are reasonable choices that you can make through the dialogue options that are given to you. And which path you pick, which answers you provide in these key narrative scenarios uh, impact not only the plot, in which there are multiple different paths, uh, really two paths as far as uh, the endings are concerned in the fate of Timber Hills. Um, but certainly the uh, it affects your, your build. You get different stats based on the way in which you choose to accentuate your character and their personality. Um, I personally, I went with the star. I, I played it very genuine. Like, yeah, I know I fucked up real bad and I sure would like for y'all to understand that I know I fucked up and I'm sorry about it because it felt very genuine to me. Um, but, you know, the other options are there, and, and you can really play it the way that you think uh, Jala would based on, um, you know, your assessment of, like, what she's trying to get out of this, right? Because she's not coming back because she thinks that Timber Hills is this incredible small town. She's coming back with her tail between her legs because she got kicked out by her girlfriend who she ran away with. 
So how apologetic she actually is and, and how much, you know, she is trying to, to make amends versus keeping the peace, um, you know, flirting versus just trying to build a friendship or whatnot, that's all on you. And the game does give you enough freedom that you're able to make those choices and feel like they matter. Um, and the gameplay impact that they give you is also very nice in that regard. I see. Okay. So, so like I said, that was like my big concern of like, I wanted there to be the nuance of, are they a good person? Aren't they a good person? And it seems like it gives you a lot of flexibility to kind of craft that narrative on its own. Uh, that being said, Chase, I scrolled down a little bit here to to look at some of the reviews because sometimes I like to look at the reviews while we're talking and, and help pull up some questions. And there's this guy, I don't know if you know him, his name is Red Shirt King on Steam. Interesting. And he's got a review on here and he does mention a couple of like negatives, right? Mm -hmm. So I want to get the negatives out of the way because I'm, I feel like overall based on what you're telling me and based on the reviews that I'm reading, particularly this Red Shirt King guy, the game is generally, you know, overall a good game. So let's get the negatives out of the way here and then we can get back to what is really, really strong about this game. So, so what's the problem with the skating? Yeah, so the thing about the skating, which is unfortunate, um, it is the weakest part, I would say, of the three gameplay elements. We'll talk about the two elements I really liked in a bit because you said we'd come back to it. But the skating, it's just a little bit clunky. Um, it, it feels slow to move on your skateboard sometimes. Um, you, you use it to traverse the city. And so I think the decision that was made was that it needed to be slow enough that you wouldn't like keep running past the building that you're trying to enter. Um, but they also didn't want to like overcomplicate things because you need to have, you know, the other buttons freed up to engage with say menus or whatnot. Um, and so what you ended up having is a system that um, is slowed down for ease of use in the exploration phase but adds this extra level of friction when you're trying to do the actual skating challenges. And a system in which the actual skating challenges are not particularly deep, right? It's not like Tony Hawk, where depending on which of the face buttons you hit, you've got different types of tricks and things. Um, it's much more rhythm-based, which makes sense given the other aspects of the game. Um, you know, the combat and the cooking both of which I think are executed really well, are ultimately very um, quick time event focused, right? They're all about getting the timing right and engaging with these different systems that are in play. Um, whereas skating is entirely on its own and it's, it's much more limited in its scope. You know, the, the combo boosts come from, you know, you know, you hold the trigger and you do a slightly different uh, move than you might otherwise. You know, each time you grind on a different rail or run on the wall or or use any of these other movement abilities, it, it, it has a rhythm to it. And if you can get into that rhythm, you might be able to get more out of it than I could. I just found it to be it, like a little bit of moving in molasses almost. Um, feeling like it didn't have the free-flowing uh, freedom, perhaps, uh, that some other games that are much more skating focused have had. It ends up creating a situation in which skating is, you know, a character choice. It's, it's a, a trait that 
helps your character stand out. And it is fun to be going through town and, and be like the one skater during the, you know, going out through the city. And, you know, there are some challenges that are fun, right? The, you know, anyone who's played a Tony Hawk game knows the collect all the tapes thing. And, you know, you'll have paths that are carved out and, you know, how well can you execute these specific things that you need to do? But, you know, I went through, I played through all of the recipes. I did all of the side quests for each of the characters because I wanted to experience more of their stories. And I wanted to experience all of these recipes and get the most out of them and, and connect with your parents in that regard because uh, the recipes are really a great way to cook with your mom and your dad and unpack some generational trauma, but also, um, you know, building that relationship. And the skating all felt kind of superfluous. I don't feel like I missed anything by not spending a lot of time delving into the skating more than I did. And I think the game knows that because the game makes it very clear whenever you go talk to the guy in the bear suit that's running the cult. And I know that that's a statement that feels like it should have come up earlier, but it honestly feels like a smaller part of things when you're playing it than, than maybe it sounds like it should be. Um, it, it's not an insignificant part. It's just, it, it blends into the background compared to all the other craziness you're dealing with. Um, but like every time you go there and you talk to him, the game accentuates it like, oh, these challenges are optional. You're not obligated to go do these skating challenges. Um, the only time it's really optional uh, where, where it's necessary is at the beginning and at the end. And at the end, if you fail enough times, it'll give you an auto skate option just to let you solve it. And so I think they understood that the skating wasn't quite as sharp as it could be. And it gives you the tools necessary to enjoy the game around it. So that's what I did. I just stopped engaging with the skating stuff. I did a couple things just so I felt like I had a good handle on it. And then I said, you know what? I think I'm good. And I was. Do you think the game would be better without the skating? I don't know. I'd say better. You know, obviously it'd be different, right? The town would be organized differently. And I do think that the fact that there was skating means that the scale of it gets to, to work a little bit differently. I think it adds a lot of character to Jala. It helps, you know, establish her space within the world and the city as a whole. And the game does a really good job of building that character and aspect into the narrative at large. Um, so I wouldn't necessarily replace it or say that it's, um, you know, the game would be better without it. What I would say is that if, you know, in a, in a world with infinite time and resources for an indie game of its size, which this game obviously did not have, but if you did have that, I bet the devs would have spent another couple months making it a little bit sharper. I, I would be, I, I would not be surprised if that was, you know, the thing that when you interview them five years from now, they're saying, you know, we really love everything we did. We thought the story was great. The characters, the battle system, the cooking, all that was great. We wish the, sh the skating had a little bit more time to be polished, but we're happy with where it ended up. Like that's, that's where I imagine they're going to be in five years. I don't think that gets in the way of anything. It's just one of those like, man, it's a shame that it wasn't quite as sharp as it could be. That's that sounds pretty fair. And I and I will say, like, even the like Tony Hawk remake, I feel like it was it definitely didn't feel as smooth as it did back in the day. But maybe that's also just because I have boomer hands now. 
I don't know. Either or. So that being said, you did mention how there are these two other game mechanics. There are uh, there is like a battle system and there is the the cooking mama style kind of like mini game here. Uh, Chase, I will say that on Steam, it says, is this game relevant to you? Similar to games I've played. WrestleQuest. Does this mean that the combat is uh, is turn based? It is turn-based, and it is quick-time-focused, but unlike WrestleQuest, uh, there's a lot more depth to it. Um, the combat itself works on this kind of mood system. You have the ability to taunt your opponent, uh, hitting one of five different emotions, um, that being uh, you can be thirsty, shocking, raging, impressive, or heartless. And so you know, you know that your opponents have X number of weaknesses, and you have to try to figure out, based on how they're acting and how they're talking to you, what those weaknesses are and how you can exploit them. And once you've taunted someone successfully, well, then you can go to your skills. And your skills, you know, you can do them without the taunt. But if you do the taunt that is successful, then the related attack that is connected to that taunt type uh, will do a lot more damage, right? Your rage attacks are a lot more effective and have some bonus damage attached if you've successfully done a raging taunt on your opponent. So there's just this idea of like trying to balance your opponent's mood and play into uh, their own, you know, uh, you know, the, the character of it all, the personality that they bring in order to uh, exploit that and turn it to your advantage. Um, it's not particularly difficult necessarily. I never lost a fight and I never felt like I was in a position where I would lose a fight. But I did feel engaged throughout. There were definitely some moments where I had to rely on my healing items more than others. Um, and each of the attacks does have their own, um, you know, sequence of QTEs attached to it. So you'll get used to, like, what each attack does and, and, and master those moves over time. Uh, there's a rhythm to it. So if you enjoy rhythm games, I think uh, all of the attacks are built more on that. Uh, rather than kind of ha like WrestleQuest, it's all random, right? You don't know which button's going to pop up. You have to kind of react immediately. With this, it's more, you know exactly what the attack's going to be. Can you master it and hit it in the rhythm and the beats that are uh, available to you, which um, I, I think is more interesting and, and more uh, in reward skill expression a little bit more. Um, and cooking uses the exact same system. Um, it's it's using the same kind of movements um, and, you know, the, the difference with cooking is that you're trying to impress what other, whatever parent is teaching you the dish. And so you'll go through a step and there'll be a conversation with, you know, your parent. Maybe your mom's talking to you about, you know, some of the, the difficulties they've had with your, your sister's wedding or about, you know, you're, you're trying to get to the heart of her insecurities around your grandma coming in from India because she and your mom have a tough relationship or your dad who's trying to like, you know, share a story about all the rambunctious adventures he got up to when he was your age. Um, and so you'll have these kinds of story moments that are built in, but then you'll have a cooking step where you'll have to handle whatever task is thrown your way. Um, and doing so will get you points. Um, you can do a super version of the move if you have, uh, if you've charged up your heat bar enough, which is kind of the the meter that, that you, you use for your super moves. Um, and that'll give you a harder version of the event that you'll need to execute on. Um, you can compliment your mom or dad 
um, which, you know, the, the game basically says, look, sometimes South Asian parents don't know how to take compliments, um, which is not something I could speak to personally, but in, as far as game mechanics go, uh, it does create like a, a real mechanic where sometimes your parents react really well and you get a bonus, um, that makes your next uh, moves more effective or, or warms them up to you. And sometimes they write you off and are like, you know, flattery will get you nowhere um, when it's not sincere. Um, and, and they'll call you out on that and you'll get a negative effect. Um, so it's kind of your, your RN Jesus take the wheel move. Uh, and of course, if you supercharge and, and you really save up your meter, you can uh, kind of uh, connect with your, uh, your elders, if you will, power up, and you'll get a, a significant bonus to everything you do for a couple of turns. So, um, but but all of it like this, it's the same kinds of quick time events. Um, and and what I like about the quick time events is consistency. And you know, my favorite part of it is that you learn all of the quick time events that you need to know and how they all work by petting the dog at your favorite diner. When you go to pet the dog, uh, you have an elaborate petting routine. That involves jumps, fist bumps, uh, scratches behind the ear, him lipping at your, your hand. Um, and each step of this is one of the types of quick time events that you will run into when you cook or when you are engaged in combat. And so you get to basically use petting the dog as practice for getting better at the combat and cooking systems, which is fantastic. I, I, I thought, what, what a clever way to basically give people a tutorial and practice area without keeping them stuck in a tutorial or practice area, because who's not going to want to pet the cute dog at the diner. Um, and suddenly it's like, Oh, the game has taught me everything I need to know about its systems. How nice is that? That is a game designer that fucking knows their core audience. Hey man, absolutely. I was, I was really my first thing is like, man, this dog sure has a lot going on. Like it's capable of <laughs> doing a flip on a skateboard. It's doing the fist pump. It's got Wait, a lot of love to give. It's skateboards. And then my it does get on your skateboard and do oh, a little jump. Awesome. Yeah, that's fucking. It's awesome. fantastic. Yeah, and that's why. Like when you're like, can I? You know, could would it be better if it was without a skateboard? I was, you know, my first thought was like, but then the dog wouldn't jump on the skateboard. That would be a shame. That would that would be a loss for all of society. So, dear um, Google, can I pet the dog in thirsty suitors? Dear Walter, hell, you absolutely fucking can. <laughs> yes, you can and should because again, you will be a lot better at the game if you do. Um, but yeah, like, you know, it's, it's all very fun. Right. And, you know, there are plenty of, of, you know, like free battles, right. You know, um, your grandma is sending suitors to potentially get in an arranged marriage with you that you have to fight off, you know, going to the skate park, you'll have to battle with the kids who are being lured into this cult. And, uh, again, you, you really want to break up the cult with the, uh, the guy in the bear suit. If you can do so, maybe you'll succeed at that. I, I failed, uh, to be quite honest with you. I was not able to convince the kids to leave the cult. Um, so I'm hoping that you can when you play this game. Um, but yeah, man, I had a great time. I played this entire game. Uh, I have nine hours of playtime. I played it in two days. I just sat down and, and lost myself in it and had a great time. And, you know, I didn't do all of the skate combos that I could have. I didn't you know, grind out a massive combo. I didn't 
uh, spend a whole bunch of money on cosmetics I didn't feel like I needed. I didn't grind out battles that I didn't feel like I needed to grind. I just had fun. And I, I, I am thankful for all, all of the time I spent with the game. Wait, you're telling me Mr. 100% completion himself did not 100% complete this game? I did not 100% complete this game, though I don't know that I'm Mr. 100%. I don't know how many games I've actually 100%ed looking at my completed tab right now. But yeah, no, I like this was a game where like, I, yeah, I tapped out. I, I said I've, I've done exactly what I wanted to do. I accomplished all of the things that I wanted to accomplish. And I had a great time. And, you know, like, sure, you can say like the skating could have been better, but like, the game agrees, and it gives you a workaround around that. And who knows? Maybe you'll have a great time with the skating mechanic. Maybe you won't encounter the same issue that I did. Um, but regardless, you're going to get a really heartfelt, deeply personal story that I think anyone can connect to, regardless of whether you share the South Asian background of the uh, characters involved here. Um, it's, it's very... It has a real charm and love of people to it and an ability to move past the uh, issues that, that you have faced that you've inflicted on those you care about in order to build something better. And I think that's really cool. Uh, and I, I, I commend the developers of the game for creating something that's going to stick with me for a while. Let's see, uh, going back to the review by our good friend Redshirt King on Steam, and I quote, I finished in two sittings across two days and would be happy to recommend it to anyone who enjoyed heartfelt stories of eight hearts up, I'm guessing that's censoring fucking. Fucking up, yeah. Fucking up, <laughs> finding out, uh, and trying to do better. Uh, Chase, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but do you say that this uh, this accurately sums up uh, your thoughts on this game and and is your glowing recommendation for everyone listening yeah for sure i already like you said i put that recommendation on the steam page i want everyone to know this game's fucking great i think it deserves your time and your money and you know it's a very small studio i believe that this is the first game that they've ever published so you know i i if you want to support an indie dev and you want to you know, give a, a lot of love to a game that has a lot of very unique elements to it that's very uh, clear and heartfelt and has a powerful narrative and tells a story from this, you know, South Asian perspective and a small town perspective and, you know, these kind of elements that you're just not going to find anywhere else. It's It's dynamic and it's fun and it's colorful and... You know, I've told you all of this without really telling you any meaningful story beats. So you can go in and have a great time uh, feeling unspoiled and, and just uh, seeing everything this game has to offer. I, I, it was worth the money for me, uh, and I, I highly suggest, if you've ever listened to a recommendation I've made, uh, this one and Doomsday Paradise, which again, we're talking about in two weeks, just, I want indie developers making games like this to be rewarded for taking creative risks and telling stories that you can't find everywhere anywhere else so i hope you give thirsty suitors a shot uh i hope that you enjoyed this podcast because uh, i know walter and i sure did 
Uh, and Walter, where can the nice people at home find you if they want to talk to you about these or any other games that you've played on the show? As always, you can find me at C80s underscore LOL on Twitter.com. Uh, you can find me at C80s.bsky.social on Blue Sky. Uh, you can follow the podcast at Rough Drafts Pod on Twitter as well. I Listen, my end of the year resolution is I'll get it up on Blue Sky as well. This is what I promise you. By the end of the year, the, the podcast will also have a Blue Sky account. I have the invites. I'm just fucking lazy. Uh, what's not lazy is listening to this podcast on your podcast platform of choice. We make it easy for you, folks. If you like just the movies, you can listen to Final Cut individually on the Final Cut feed. If you like just the gaming stuff, you can listen to just Steam Cleaners on the Steam Cleaners feed. Or if you want us in your ears once a week on Mondays, you can follow the Rough Drafts podcast feed as well. Absolutely. Um, you can find me at Chase Wassenaar on Twitter. Um, you can find me chasewassenaar.bsky.social on the better Twitter. And I've been streaming every now and then. I want to stream more regularly. I think by the time that y'all are listening to this, theoretically, there will have been a lovely journey of wrestling stream where myself, Walter, and uh, two friends of ours, including Eduardo, who you've uh, heard on this podcast before, We'll be competing to see who can make the best um, wrestling staple. Um, so hopefully uh, twitch.tv slash redshirtking. Uh, definitely go follow over there if you want to check those and any other gaming shenanigans I've got going on out. Um, but we'll be back in two weeks to talk about two completely different games, one of which I've already told you. Um, but until then, goodbye, Internet. <laughs>